All right, I think we're rolling. Cool. Is that going to be our R word for today? Um, no, I think our R word for the day is something different. I think it's romance. Is that right? Oh, romance. Okay. So, obviously, we first have to talk about like music and painting and how in like the late 1700s, like from 1780 to about 1830-ish, that's the numbers I read somewhere, but generally a while ago, but not like super in the ancient times, there were some people who were like, this is enough with like rationalism and objective reality and the true forms of things. The new style of art is going to be like individual artistic expression, the more unique and the more um, personal and emotional, the better. Um, so did you want to add anything about um yeah, I mean, it's interesting, uh, like, romance, romanticism specifically is, like, is a loaded term. It's got a lot of meanings behind it, um, or at least a lot of, like, different meanings to different people. Um, but two of the main, like, movements within romanticism are music and literature. Um, and, um, I mean, it also extends to art as well, obviously. Um to painting and um, to other forms of artistic expression. But music is a little later, I think 1830 to, I read somewhere up until even 1910. Um, but yeah, it's just a series of, of, of movements with, under the, under like this umbrella term romanticism. Yeah. And I like the idea that they were kind of a, a rebellion against the sort of increasingly quote unquote modernized nature of society where society was increasingly sort of, um, more like kind of strict and like here's all these forms and your art must be done with these specific forms and your painting must be done with these specific rules and everything is becoming more industrial and more standardized and you know more quote unquote like rational and you know you're everyone's like being enlightened and being like kind of this age of like everybody being reasonable um and i guess the romantics were kind of like is your morals and values the same as my morals and values and it's interesting to think about like, that's kind of a rebellion that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Like, if you grow up in an age when it's kind of like, oh, you know, this absolute, you know, it's absolutely the rational thing to do to think like I do, you know, then maybe a response to that is like, well, everyone has their own thing they need to express from their hearts. And everyone has a valid way of expressing their own individual feelings from their hearts, you know, it's kind of cute. Yeah, it, it definitely emerges from kind of this idea of um, let's kind of move forward from the enlightenment it's kind of like you know it, it chronologically comes after the um period of enlightenment um and i think it's interesting how it spawns all these different kind of creative um creative projects creative ideas um and it's just very different it's just very different from like what came before it and i know that's kind of a vague way of describing it but if you if you look even at music like like from the romantic period like um chopin like a lot of the other i'm there there are a ton i'm not like like brahms and a lot of other composers who created music that was just so different so much more expressive um and so much more emotionally driven yeah i remember like growing up playing the violin like i always thought of music as kind of a a way to express yourself and that's why like when i like to kind of you know improvise sometimes i like to um just kind of express myself. And I think that that's part of the reason that when I was younger and I actually like practiced and like played pieces, I tended to really enjoy those kinds of 
you know, romantic things more than like the Mozarts and the kind of more beautiful but mechanical kind of um, kind of pieces that you would find in other eras, I think. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how like they can also like you, it this extends into into literature and into, into into other forms of art as well, um, paintings, um, a lot more landscape, a lot more picturesque like descriptions. I think it's really interesting how we move into an era where art is describing kind of just the feeling of 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 nature, um, the feeling of landscape, this feeling of like you know, we're not just, you know, um, looking into ourselves and understanding humans, we're understanding the world, the nature around us. But we're understanding the world in a sort of like intuitive way. Like, it's like a response to like, like, I feel like with, with like Star Trek, I don't know, I watch way too much Star Trek, but like, with like Star Trek and some of these other futuristic things where it's like, how do people respond to like things becoming more modern? Like they respond by like reaching back to their roots, like reaching back to their history, reaching back to like, their feelings and sort of like expressing themselves in a unique way that can't be taken away from them. Like in, in a way, like I feel that kind of comes up as a scene. Um, I, I think that's why that we, we get a lot of, a lot of more, ex- in my opinion, more expressive pieces of, of, of literature and art and poetry and stuff like that. It's a lot more, it just feels like it, it speaks more to um, how we feel about the world around us and not just about like, this kind of logical, like, this is how the world works, here are the rules, you know, kind of the, the, the ideas of enlightenment. Like, we focus in a, lo- in a lot more, like, we're going from, like, you know, like, a more religious, like, art and religious um, literature, like, in the medieval period, um, and kind of moving into the Renaissance age of, like, um, kind of looking back at antiquity, looking at the Greeks and the Romans and kind of copying what they did and kind of looking at philosophy from that perspective. And then going into like the Enlightenment where we're talking about science, like we're talking about like, um, uh, you know, thought and, and, um, and r- rational thought and things like that to a movement that focuses in on how we feel about um, the world that we live in. I could be remembering wrong, but I seem to recall from Wikipedia that the the Romantics tended to look back on like I think like the Middle Ages or something like that. Like like instead of the classical Greek periods and stuff, they were more looking at like some of, some of those other time periods as sort of like times to kind of think back on and, and try to reflect. Um, which I think is pretty interesting because like yeah, that is interesting. Like to to think about what like what um, different like what different movements in history like you know inspire new movements far in the future who knows what what the fu- the future of art and the future of expression um will be wh- where where will it derive its inspiration i think that's really interesting yeah i feel like people like find what they need to find and sometimes we just need to find like an expression for individuality and sometimes we need to find like yeah and also the other thing is like the idea of genius like i think because i know like some of that ideas, uh, those ideas are kind of still with us today. Like some of the ideas about like the solitary genius who just, you know, invents a whole new way of thinking about things or invents a whole new, you know, style of art or something. Um, that was another thing from Wikipedia that's pretty cool. Like just the, how like people's ideas about work and mastery and artistry can affect the kind of art that goes on. That you, if you have the stereotype that, you know, an artist should like work alone and just, from nothing generate this entire set of art without any outside influences and without any copying anyone at all 
Um, and I think it's like interesting that just those views, even beyond the art itself, that specific view of the individual creating an art out of nothing um, is just like an idea about the mind. I don't know the terminology for ideas of mind, but I'm sure there's a formal way to express that. But it's, it's kind of interesting to think about, I guess. It is. Actually, like this actually really touches well, like touches upon like stuff that I talked in my, um, I took a course on uh, the poetry and literature of Victor Hugo uh, in my senior year of college. And Oh, he did Les Mis, right? Yeah, Les Mis. I mean, it's interesting because if you go, if you in France, they like Les Mis isn't the big, isn't as big of a work as it is here in the U.S. and and in the U.K. Um, in France, it's more um, uh, Notre Dame de Paris, uh, which is like for those who are Disney fans, is is uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, but it, it's his works are very interesting because if you a lot of I've heard a lot of people say this, and I don't. I can't really pinpoint it to one person, but I've heard a number of people who say if you want to understand um, France and maybe even to a to a more general sense like Europe in the nineteenth um, century, you want to look at um, Victor Hugo. You look at the literature of Victor Hugo, it kind of describes how life was during that time period. But another thing I didn't know about Victor Hugo was that. Um, he dabbled. He was a poet. I mean, he was he was definitely a polymath. He definitely specialized in a lot of different things. He was a pol you know political activist. He was a poet. He was a you know an author. He wrote novels. Um, he did a lot of stuff, which I think is really interesting. But the thing That's that right, I, folks, if you ever feel like you don't have enough hobbies, or you don't have enough ways to spend your time, like you can always have more. You can be a very like well-rounded person, like Victor Hugo. Yeah, he was very well-rounded and he's very like, he had a lot of interesting thoughts and ideas. And I mean, his his work, Notre Dame de, La Notre Dame de Paris, like is literally about, like inspired by the Notre Dame um, in, in Paris. Like literally this entire, um, this entire novel is based on this architectural masterpiece. Um, a lot of the poems we read it in that class also had to do with, with the idea of the uh, pittoresque, as you say in French, um, or the picturesque, kind of like the, the scene, scenery and like landscape and the, the idea of like nature and um, using nature as kind of an inspiration. So I, I kind of really relate to that idea. And it's also like this is the time where like the, the novel is born. Um, That's you know, a novel idea. It is a novel idea. Um, in in French, actually, it's it's even more apparent that the novel, um, the the genre, I guess, of novel the novel is um, is introduced during the roman the romantic period. Um, if you look at the French word for novel, um, it's roman, which is direct etymologically related to uh, like romance, roman romanticism. Um, it that kind of actually gets me into kind of the etymology. Like romanticism is something that's very interesting. I originally kind of conflated it or confused it at least with um uh with romance as in relating to like the romans um according to wiktionary which is kind of my go-to for etymologies well what um, about the romulans i mean forget the romans what about the romulans <laughs> exactly um star trek references for all you dorks who can't help yourselves <laughs> Um, well, um, so for the Latin, it, it actually comes from the Latin uh, romanticus, which actually refers to something that has kind of like a poetic quality. Um, 
so uh, I mean, you can see this, this connection even more clearly between uh, roman um, in French, which means novel. Um, it's kind of describing something in a, in a more poetic way. Um, and that's kind of a good, I feel, feel like that's a pretty good way of describing what romanticism is as a movement, as a you whole. You know, I agree. I think um, from what we talked about in the, in the previous kind of section about kind of the movement itself, I think that's a really good description of it, actually. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And, and in, in the term romance, like more broadly speaking, kind of refers to also um, kind of something not entirely related, but often often when you hear romance languages, you think of French or Italian, and you think of them in the in the sense of like, oh, they're romantic. They're the French is romantic. Have. Well, okay, so a lot of people a lot of people find French to be romantic. But like in the sense of like um, the, being the language of love. If you talk about love languages, like or um, what are the languages of love? Like French is very often like brought up as as an example. Um, but but Roman, of course, but of course, oui, oui. Uh, it's 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 interesting because it's it's a it's a, it belongs to a language family. Um, and for those not very familiar with language typology. Um, Tell us about language typology. Well, you can classify languages in many different ways based on like, you know, syntactic things, based on like things involving their phonology. Um, But you can also... That's like the sounds in the grammar, I think, is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, So you can categorize languages. You can kind of like put them into like typologies based on like the... You can then go to the extent of saying, well, these are family. This is a family of of, of languages. So French... Italian, Spanish, Catalan, Romanian, all these languages belong to a family called the Romance languages. A romance, in this case, referring specifically to um, of or deriving of, like, it, the term derives from ro- referring, it, the term refers to Romans, the Romans. Um, Why didn't they call Roman language Roman, not like Latin? Like, why uh, didn't the Romans speak Roman? Wait, I don't even know the answer to that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But... No, that's an interesting That's an interesting point. I believe I'm, I'm not a Latin scholar. I don't know too much about the history of Latin. Um, but that's I fair. believe it has to do with um, describing specifically where it was spoken. Um, for those who do know the answer to this, feel free to, like, message Message let us let us know if you've realized why it's called Latin. I believe, I believe Latin um, it refers to a specific um, specific region. Again, I don't know the details. Of I don't it. know. Anyway, um, yeah, sorry. It, it all relates to um, this language family, um, um, and so the, the languages I listed, like Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, Romanian, and Catalan, are usually the what are considered the major. Um, romance languages these are the languages that you see like um, you you hear about the most of course there are other smaller languages and because linguistics doesn't have a very nice and coherent um, definition for what a language is or what a dialect is that's a very interesting point maybe we'll get more to it later but generally speaking we do consider those languages that I listed um, separate languages you then get into languages like um, like Occitan, yeah, there are other languages as well. Um, and everybody can be romantic and poetic, no matter what language you speak, because being emotive and expressive and poetic is not restricted to the romantic language, ro- sorry, the romance languages. 
Well, see, that's what I wanted to like. That's what I want to bring up romance languages because they aren't related to that idea of um, they aren't like they have nothing to do with romance. There are like our our idea of romance, like they they don't have anything to do with that that kind of poetic um, or anything to do with love. It really that's is misleading. Something. It is misleading, which is really interesting. But it really it comes down to what word in Latin they're derived from. Um, but they're all languages that um, that that really evolved from uh, really essentially essentially evolved from vulgar Latin, uh, like a form of of spoken Latin um, that was spoken across the Roman Empire um, in later. And the Roman Empire gave rise to a lot of speakers. I'm just looking at your notes right here. You say almost a billion first and second language speakers. Yeah, um, and that's because of the spread of um, Romance languages. You, you look at like. The entirety of South America um, is is romance. I mean, I'm almost surprised that it's not more than that. Like, I know there's like seven or eight billion people in the world, but if you think about all the people who speak, oh, English isn't in there. That's why. Because well, yes, between French true. and Spanish is a second language. I feel like a lot of places have Spanish as a second language and French as a second language, but yeah, you, it's not English. That's interesting. I don't know how that works. There are breaks a down. lot of Spanish speakers in, in uh, throughout the world because a lot of countries have Spanish as uh, an official language. French is up there as well. Um, you look at a lot of parts of um, um, you look at a lot of parts of Africa, so, so, um, both both sub-Saharan and northern Africa. Like there are a lot of countries that speak French or ha- at least have French as an official language. Um, this is counting obviously this one billion like is counting like first and second language speakers. So these including people who are who speak French natively or pe- people who speak it um, like learned it in school. Um, but there are a lot of speakers of Romance languages and it's spread across the world. I mean, um, pretty so much- So why would someone want to do a PhD in a topic like Romance linguistics? Well, so that's- Which is really- a, you almost did, but now you're doing French linguistics, but you almost did like Romance linguistics kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not actually too far from what I'm actually doing because I am technically doing, um, um, this is maybe more, more information than our viewers are interested in, but I'm, I am also, alongside my PhD in French linguistics, I'm also doing what's known as a portfolio, essentially like a minor or like kind of an emphasis in um, romance linguistics. Um, and the idea of romance linguistics is, um, it, it's one, it's a, it's a very, it's a very um, well-studied field. Um, that is to say, a lot of work has been done in Latin, a lot of work has been done in the romance languages and kind of like um, historical linguistics, the the develop like the phonology, the sound systems of of these languages. A lot of work has already been done in Romance linguistics. So you wonder what is there to contribute to Romance to a field such as Romance linguistics, and you'd be surprised there there is quite a lot that you can still contribute to the the world of like Romance languages, um, especially when you talk about languages that are spoken today, like French, Spanish. Portuguese. That's why I'm doing a PhD in French linguistics. You clearly um, think there's something more to be learned. There is. Well, I believe in you, Boo. Um, and the last thing I, we obviously wanted to touch on, since we're dating and we're in an LDR, long distance relationship, for y'all listeners out there, we want to talk about like romantic things that we thought are romantic to do with dating. Um, so one of my definitions I came up with this afternoon was like anything that you can say is quote really aesthetic or like that's so aesthetic. Um, with the expression of like, um, like, you know, like that sounds like that, whatever that is, like it's so aesthetic. Like when something is an aesthetic, you know, in kind of like the slang version of the term where it's like, that's my aesthetic. 
like if it's pretty, if the view or the room or the your uh, clothes you dressed up in, whatever is like very aesthetic, as long as you share it with Bay, it becomes romantic. That's my. It's like what's so aesthetic, and then just share it with Bay, and it goes from that to like romantic. That's like the way I was thinking about it. And then like we also have like a music playlist that we do together, which I think is really romantic. So I'd recommend that. Hmm? We have a few. We have um, we have we have a couple different like spin-off playlists, but the idea is we share like music and we kind of like yeah, kind of like yeah, especially like one of our like our main playlist is just basically like I feel like it's, it's all songs the songs. That we put in, all the songs that make us think of each other or think of like the relationship or just generally yeah. make us happy. And then I think it's romantic when you like surprise each other. So I feel like we're pretty good about like sending each other cute little texts and like love notes and like things we like about each other a lot of the time. And then I just put candy on the on the notes for the episode because you like I feel like you can always give your loved ones candy. Like every time Lauren gives me candy or sugary things, I'm like, yay! No. Also, <laughs> if we like go get like healthy food too, obviously. Um you can yeah, give your loved one healthy food. You can give them vegetables too. Um Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, very romantic. <laughs> um, like, I just wanted to say, like, it was really romantic when you sent me flowers in China. Well, I mean, you sent me flowers in France. Like, we, we, I, I love, I love my heart. This is quite surprised. It's funny with with China. Like, I think I sent, I sent, I was trying to send Anita flowers, um, so that they would arrive, um, specific, like on our on our anniversary. Like, these were flowers that were supposed to arrive. April 14th. Been dating for one year. Except psych, it was like one year minus two weeks because like he got them sent from in China to a place in China and all the places, all the delivery people there are just like oh, really on it. Fast. Like so yeah. fast. Like I I literally it was the night like it was nighttime. I, I delivered the I had the flowers delivered. I woke up and Anita texted me, Thank you for the flowers. I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> oh my god because you don't you when you sent me flowers you also attached a poem that i still have um but there are a lot of cute gestures that you can do in a, in a long distance relationship that you and i recommend to- if you're in a long distance relationship and you want to send like flowers or something especially if the other person is in a completely different country or like a totally different area like sometimes you want to like send them with like a local company i don't like ship like flowers or something perishable like from company like near you to near them like find like a local like it's better company. local um yeah just because you know that it's going to be fresh it's going to like be you know on time it'll, it'll come in one piece yeah just be fresh and like yeah mostly be fresh yeah and then there are things that we do for each other outside of just like those romantic gestures that are like that support no, i think these are also romantic so like i said long walks in the proverbial beach because like i don't know like you know, people always say, like, you know, I like long walks on the beach. And it's like, there's a reason that, like, going for long walks together is romantic. Because you get to, like, spend time with each other and, like, experience, like, the strolling around together. So, like, I remember, like, early on when we were, like, dating and you were still in Berkeley. And, like, you know, we would go for long walks. And, and now our long walks are usually long phone calls while we walk. But, like, it's still really romantic. And I think you don't have to be on the beach I mean, like, that's a plus, right? Like, bonus points if you're on the beach. But I think long walks are really romantic. I think so, too. Yeah. And also laughing. Yeah. And then, like, even... Keyword is romantic. Keyword is romantic. I feel like even doing, like, we do virtual dates. And we have, like, date nights where we, we dress up. We have, like, we make it an occasion. Like, we make it a whole thing. And, and we pretend as if we were, like, actually right there. And I think there are a lot of ways that long distance relationships can be very enriching. 
Yeah, and I think long distance can also be really supporting. And I think it gets romantic when you think about the other person and you give, you know, like you find ways to do things to help them out and support them, you know, like like it's it's romantic to give and it's really sweet to to receive that kind of attention as well. So I don't know. I think dating is romantic, but I don't think you have to be dating to have like, you know, that romantic spin to your life, especially from the idea of things kind of being sweet and very like aesthetic and beautiful, like and like expressive. Like I think there's a lot that anybody can find whether or not they're dating. Yeah. And I think to tie this into like our like our, our original topic, like with romanticism, like and romanticus like the specific latin term referring to something that's very poetic like we've used poetry a lot in our in our relationship like i remember like i have, I have a folder back in austin like that that is full of poems you've written me and i've written you poems and i feel like poetry is something that we've used to connect to each other that is a very cool way to close things off with a loop back to where we started all right we will talk to you all next time yeah